Hello, 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 and welcome to this week's episode of the Imagine a Movie Podcast, a podcast where we watch a movie and then we talk about it. My name's David, and no dipshit, man. <laughs> uh, my name's Sam, and my God, man, do you know what? Do you, do you want an acute case on your hands? This woman has immediate postprandial upper abdominal distension. Now get out of the way. Uh, I forgot which one of us was third when Joe. Oh, no, because this is. Yeah, Ross, then Joe. This is terrible. And I'm Ross, completely and utterly disgusted with the flagrant floundering of the rules that Starfleet show for time travel. And I'm Joe, making a special guest appearance, and we are looking for nuclear vessels. <laughs> That's a great fake Russian accent. That's what that is. That's <laughs> good as Chekhov's I mean, in this I film. Mean, now that we've touched on it, I was like, "What is? What is the voice he's doing here?" I mean, what, like, and what accent is someone going Wessels? Right. Well, let's. let's I, mean, I mean, surely Russian is like the one accent that you know really pronounces the V's. Like, oh yes, Wessels. You know, it's. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, not in the sixties, Ross. But before we get into it, this, because there is a conversation to be had here. Uh, we watched 1986's A Voyage Home. Um, and just to inform our listeners, who will very quickly get the point here, Ross has never watched any Star Trek. No, that's not entirely correct. I'm I not watch... counting the new films. No, no, uh, I'm on about the ones with Picard, you know, Patrick Stewart. I oh, did okay. watch that one with the Borg, which I liked. Oh, the sexy oh, Borg Queen—that's a weird one. There we go. Mm. Yeah. So, so I, I, I think, I think me, me, Dave, and um, Joe, who quite recently within lockdown in in 2020 has got into Star Trek. Madness I think we has were all, taken us all. Joe, it has. I think we were all judging you, Ross, expecting you to be like just completely <laughs> just flabbergasted by this movie. And to be very fair to you, you would not be wrong in that assessment <laughs> of, I'm sorry, whales? What? Did we, we mentioned we're doing Voyage Home, um, which is Star Trek Four, And let's do a little plot summary. And, let's, and then I think we, what we should do is, is let Ross just have the floor for a moment as, an, as a non-Star Trek fan, just to kind of, un, un, just to kind of warm up a little bit. Um, Where does he start we, there? Uh, Where does he even in, begin? In this film, so to save Earth from an alien probe, James C. Kirk and his fugitive crew go back in time to San Francisco in 1986 to retrieve the only beings who can com- uh, communicate with the probe, humpback whales. Um, what more could you want from a movie? Yeah, reading the description, uh, I was reading it on uh, Sky, and um, <clears throat> before I was able to press play, you see a short cut of the synopsis, and it said, you know, they, they travel back in time, to rescue two humpback whales and I was like I'm sure that's a typo <laughs> I am sure that can't I can't be reading that right whales nope. okay let's see where this goes and yeah. <laughs> wow it it's a stretch it uh, I mean I said to you before I, mean, I might be getting ahead of myself here Sam but I said to you before it feels like just an extended episode, you know, something that's split into two, like a two-part. And now the thrilling conclusion to a voyage <laughs> home. It's, um, I mean, yeah, I was entertained by bits. There, 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 there's one bit in particular. I, I was like, Sam's a goddamn hypocrite, <laughs> and I'll, and I'll get into that. Uh, oh, I'm excited for Paddingcast this week's episode. <laughs> Well, well I'll, I'll, I'll get I'll get to that point when when it's time when the moment oh, arises. Such yeah. a tease! I was going to say just going to tease that in there for you guys. Yeah. How, how moment... did we? 
how do we want to tackle this? I think this is going to go well, through the plot because there are individual points in this before movie. Before we do that, Sam, I thought oh, maybe okay. for Ross's benefit, we'd maybe put this film in the context of Star Trek as a series. Because obviously Ross, quite forgivably, being a man who is you know only 45 years old, has not <laughs> lived through Star Trek in the 60s. Now... Um, you're, you're brave when you're 70 miles away, aren't you? <laughs> I, I, I fucking am when we're locked down for COVID, Ross. Um, you get stopped slap with a £200 fine. Is it icing on the cake of me calling you old? <laughs> worth it, worth it, Ross. Worth it. Yeah, it's worth yeah. every penny. Um, but Star Trek in the 60s, obviously, you'll be familiar with through cultural osmosis, Ross. But um, yeah. like, it ran for two seasons, got cancelled, was uh, resurrected through a letter writing campaign. Um, and then got cancelled again. Um, and the films were like, it's funny how you sort of looked at this as an extended episode because the films kind of are that. The cast mm. were all famous enough and successful enough, especially Nimoy and Shatner. Like, they had enough pull that even if Paramount, who I believe had the rights at the time, could have afforded to, like, you know, it could have, could have afforded to get them back for a, another series of the TV show. Like, there's just no way the, the whole cast could have committed to it. Um, yeah. So instead, they made six movies uh, between... What's what's the first one? 78? I think Something so. Something like that. Yeah. Uh, between 78 and, I think, 89 or 90, the last one. Well, 91, sorry, I think the last one was. Um, and they made these six movies. And they were, like... Some of them are dog shit. Um, but they were, like, this continuation of the series. And, like, I suspect reusing a lot of like script ideas they'd had in the mid to late sixties about let's do X, Y, and Z, you know? And um, so that's kind of the reason this film is what this film is. Um, but being the and fourth it's... one, it's actually probably one of the better ones. It's, it's, <laughs> it's probably, it's probably my favorite one. However, Wrath of Khan is definitely a better film. And I would say that this one probably is the one that kind of is more for the fans than any of them, um, because the plot isn't good um, <laughs> at all. Um, it's basically just there to show you kind of Spock and Kirk's kind of relationship more than anything else, and that's kind of all it is. Really. It's it, it's it's Star Trek, and everyone's had a couple of drinks. <laughs> that's what yeah. this movie is to me. It's like. We're all good. We're fine. Everyone's having. Uh, whereas I think <laughs> the other ones, everyone's yeah, everyone, everyone's relaxed. It's it's also cheap as shit to make because they just walk around San Francisco filming <laughs> th- normal things, and you know the 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 sets in this are fairly minimal, and they reused a heck of a lot of them from the other films. So it is it is like Star Trek after dark. You know, everyone's just <laughs> chilled out a little bit. Let's not worry about too much about things like plot and characters and story. Let's just get into. The crew have to do this, and how are we going to get them there um, to the end? Of yeah, I felt that Sam, in terms of like production value, and is like, yeah, let's just let's not worry about it. Yeah, that that came through. If I'm honest, <laughs> I um, was I was complimenting the movie for that. I don't feel you're doing the same thing. Russ. I was not. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but um, without being tr- t- too harsh, because you know it's it's a movie from forty odd years ago. But Dave mentioned as well as sort of like a continuation of that universe. Um, and I just think when you're doing it for a movie, that sort of value, such as production and plot, you do need to up your game uh, somewhat on that. And this feels, like I said, this feels like it, it's you know it's part of a series. You know, it's a two-part yeah. episode sort of well, thing. Well, 
the biggest problem, as far as I can see, and this leads us nicely into talking about the first bit of the plot. The You're biggest welcome. problem with this movie, Ross, is exactly what you've said, is that no time elapses, really, from the end of the last movie to this t- movie. Like, mm-hmm. And so we spend the first half an hour, and I'm sure you noticed this, and we're like, what the fuck is going on? The first half an hour of this movie is actually like the last half an hour of the last movie. Because, <laughs> so... by the way, um, just briefly, before we before it gets lost in time, the big um, spaceship explosion at the beginning of this movie um, is reused footage wholesale from the last movie. They didn't shoot anything new. They just clipped it and put it in this one. Before you go on to your larger point, Dave, and me, me as well, uh, also, when you see the ship exploding, who's recording? <laughs> I was like, Wait a don't, don't come here with your questions. Get a, get a nice shot. <laughs> your logic. Of, it is. It is. To be fair, though, to be fair, like you, if you're watching you know, in the cinema in, in 1986, like there's, yeah. a, I think there's a presumption that you've seen the other ones, and there was quite a big story arc that took place from the first movie, Khan search for Spock, and then here we are at Voyage Home. So, like. I, I'm all I'm all for a movie should be make sense for anyone who doesn't who has oh, seen all the others. Oh my god, he's he's writing things down. But at the same time, he's learning. Like, it, it it does. I, I I don't think it's too unfair to expect that you kind of know who these characters are, understand the dynamic, and kind of roughly have a good idea. But yeah, it is the first the first half an hour of this movie is. I, I mean, I don't find it boring because I enjoy all of the stuff. But I, I can really, from your point of view, Ross, I found like it someone boring. who's it was yeah, dope. It's it's not as it's <laughs> not as it's not as good because they they're not like you know get to the money. That's what you need to do is get them time traveling, get them back on Earth, and then that's where the fun begins. <clears throat> so it's interesting, Sam. This is, this is the point that I there had it is. to yeah. <laughs> Just the one thing coming out. I'm Grace. so excited for this to be underwhelming. Yeah. Well, most like Joe, should we I do mean, Star Trek Shaky Camp? I mean, oh, we're, for, we're in a battle. For me, it's going to be really satisfying. For you guys, like, oh, really, Ross? But no, what I was going to say is, like, you, you yourself said, Sam, you know, it's like, you know, 30 minutes from the previous movie, and there's all these, and you're expected to know the characters. And I just think it's a bit rich where you're like, well, yeah, you're going to have to know that when we've done movies in the past, and the most recent one is Justice League, and you start off saying, oh, Superman's dead. We're just supposed to get that out of it. Like, yeah, if you watch the movies beforehand. But somehow, <laughs> we... shut the fuck up for one second. Right, okay. Somehow, Star Trek does it, and oh yeah, it's okay, you you got to know the characters in it, yeah! <laughs> That's my Great standard English accent. By the way. <laughs> That's a yeah. effect. It's a strange no, accent. For, I accepted it. I accepted it because I know I'm watching Star Trek 4. What the quest what I did for say, peace or some what, bullshit, Ross? What, 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 <laughs> That's the Superman movie. <laughs> what I did say, Ross, is that I, I, I think there's a the, the 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 difference is is that they're expecting. Listen to Sam now. Make excuses. Go ahead, Sam. No, Sorry. they're expect they're expecting in 1986 for people to have seen because it's a Star Trek because it is it is relatively niche. Like this isn't a massive blockbuster movie. I'm coming, whereas, sorry, but yeah. <clears throat> no, I'm sorry, but mo- comic comic movies are the principal fucking media of our time. Like, there's nothing else that exists outside of that. So, I I just think there's a little bit of because this is for this is for nerds in a different way, in a different way than nerds that are around now. That's my distinction. I would have to side with Ross on this one, Sam. Oh, fine, fuck um, you. Like a movie. <laughs> I get what you're saying, but at the same time, a movie's a movie. Like, yeah. yes, if somebody can't walk in off the streets and watch your movie, that happens a lot, and that it is, is a fair. Problem. 
it is a problem, but I think it's a problem with both of these. I don't think like you get. I don't think it's more excusable in this Star Trek movie than it is in the Justice League movie. I think it's the same. Yeah, I agree. Uh, uh, it's not for as long. It's not for as long. To be fair, <laughs> there is that. There is that. <laughs> let's can we, let's. Go but this all goes back to the point that this is a, fa- a, fa- a film for the fans. So that's yes. why you know that's why they expect yeah. you to have watched it because they're like, if you don't watch Star Trek, so, you shouldn't be watching so, this. Let me be clear: I'm not attacking Star Trek. I'm attacking. Oh no, Sam. I know, I know. I'm right. making the point. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> and we fully support I'm that. All for that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Ross let's, Griffith, and I support this message. Let's let's get into this. Let's get into yeah. this. Let's talk, about, let's talk about this first section because I think it's going to be a fairly short conversation. I am talking yes. pre-time travel. Because there's some stuff going on that I'm sure Ross wants to get into. There's some bureaucratic stuff that's nonsense. Oh, um, this is my bread and butter. This. Like, let's let's start with Joe because he's said probably said the least so far uh, about this first section. Joe, anything you want to talk about? I'm talking like this nonsensey half hour that should be 15 minutes. It's... <laughs> yeah, it's not overly exciting. Even even having watched these films fairly recently, like I kind of had to remind myself what happened. In search for Spock to kind of remember what was going on in this first day minutes. Um, the most noteworthy thing that I noticed was um, the, um, the, the the Brock Peters is in one of the uh, one of the scenes who plays um, ben, Joseph Cisco, Ben Cisco's father uh, in DS Nine. So these are all names um, and words you don't understand, Ross. But a character from the I'm series, not, yeah, I'm, um, I'm who plays in the com- blanks in my mind. That's cool. Yeah, I think it's uh, Admiral Cunningham. He plays. Yeah. Um, yeah. We also um, get a so, female captain in this opening for the first time in Star Trek, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. There'd later be a series of the female captain, but t- up until now, it'd been the 60s, so uh, ain't no women in, in my captain's chair. There's a person of colour female captain as well. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, wasn't Star, Trek, wasn't Star Trek the first interracial kiss? Yeah. Boy, I wish they'd written a character up for that character in this movie, or even some lines. But we do we, we we do get yeah we do get that kind of stuff the stuff on Vulcan which is a little bit kind of boring. But once they get going though, once they get going, and and this is also cut in with the stuff around what's happening on Earth. Now I'm I love I love this like there's a mysterious probe there's a mysterious probe and then we get to see like the effects of that and and for, for me after it does take a long time but once we get to the point where they're like. The probe is ionizing the atmosphere. Like the, the oceans are being va- vaporized. Like this is this is for me. This is like beautiful peak Star Trek. There's just Can there's something going on. No one knows why, and we get <clears throat> to cares. no, and we get and we get to basically figure it out along with everyone else. Um, yeah, and I think I I do like once once we get past the Vulcan stuff and basically like the end of the last movie. This is fun. This is really good Star Trek. I can't tell it. Dave's frozen. Can I just say, I was waiting to speak. Um, Can I just say that um, the design of this probe is shockingly unthreatening. It it looks like it's just a it's a black tube with a like a ball on a string on it. I mean, apparently this was the second pass. This was their second (laughs) attempt to make this probe look like something. It's it's ILM as well. It's industrial light and magic. So there's like there is there is a, there is a lot of thought going to this. And and from the from the trivia, you do see them saying like, well, let's add more texture to it. And I think it's supposed to be kind of non-threatening though. Maybe it looked better I, on a screen in 1986 than it well, does. Well, I, I was going to say I think that now. 
I think you could argue it's you know it's an intentional design thing where there's so mm-hmm. little you know sort of identifying features you can go oh well you know that's obviously a weapon so just because it's so seemingly plain but like Sam mentioned I was going to say earlier you can when you get some close-up shots you see it's like textured looks like old metal but I, I think to be fair to them there was a fair bit of like thought behind it I mean that little dangle that little testicle that hangs down I mean that was <laughs> you know that, life <laughs> Yeah, like yeah. it was like standing over a mirror. <laughs> <laughs> it does. It does. I I don't mind it so much. I don't know my and, it, and it's also like it's menacing in that like um it's very two thousand one, isn't it? Space Odyssey. Yeah, Odyssey yeah. And there's style. some of that throughout the other Star Trek original. You know, series like the monolith well. and stuff. I I do think it's I do think it's good. But what but again, what I like though is I like that it's it's totally messing things up. And that there's that great there's that great moment where um the 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 president of the Earth is sends out this signal basically saying don't come here like i i, I just love the i love the i love yeah, the Trump, selflessness Trump did the of the same thing a couple of years ago sam yeah he's not saying help us he's saying don't come to earth because you're going to get fucked if you come here like i think there's yeah. a really cool is I, I like the message of that and i like the way that it's the, done. the sense of um the sense of panic when they get the message back from kirk saying he's going back in time get him back on screen get him back on screen <laughs> You think they're, they're like shaking their heads, going, "Right, the Earth is blowing up." But this fucking guy, <laughs> I would he's not going to anyone but Kirk again. I would yeah. like to see a scene where it's like, you know, uh, you know, uh, Mr. President, we've we've got a message from one of the admirals. Oh, who is it, Kirk? Oh shit, fuck, mm-hmm. not Kirk. <laughs> what's again he saying? This guy. What's, yeah, what's he going to do? Go back in time or something? Funnily enough, no, <laughs> no. Yeah, like well, again, well, this is the. Fourth time that Kirk and the gang go back in time. Um, before let's, we move on to the actual time travel, I do have let's... a couple, two things I want to mention first. Okay, go on. Now, firstly, you mentioned ILM, Sam. I think there's some really excellent map paintings in the first bit oh. of this movie, um, especially like when we see the Klingon Warbird. It's the same one used twice. Um, but I really love... I'm a, I'm, I'm a stickler for a map painting. Um, I think it's a really like lost art in a lot of movies. Um, so many get. films that we love, you know, Star Wars and, and and Star Trek. Like, so many of them utilize matte paintings, and we don't, we didn't even know it. <laughs> it's not something you um, notice. It's like designed to not be noticed. That you, but once you know to look for it, you can kind of tell because it looks better than like a a, a picture would look. It's beautiful. You know, for, for for Joe's benefit, guys, why don't you explain what an what a, what a painting is? <laughs> so this is this is instead of instead of like a digitally created background, they literally mm-hmm. somebody has painted what uh, uh, the the Klingon warbird warbird, and then have mm-hmm. like you can maybe have a ship or someone walking across the front of it, you know, which would be blue screened. So this is a, a physical painting, and and these things mm-hmm. are often quite big as well. So. Uh, you see a lot of them in in um, film like Alien as well. They they, they utilise them quite a lot. So like establishing like landscape shots where it's obviously like if they can't get a camera in a plane and take a, a, a video of an actual landscape for yeah. whatever reason, they will just yeah. they will paint it. But it's quite impressive. But the, um, the, that's correct. But do you, what, get, do you get that, Joe? Yeah, yeah, well done. No, we're okay, on video, Joe. Ross. So we can all tell that you're paying no attention. He's writing things down, but the I'm, I'm, the, I'm scoring you, right? But the thing, but the thing is that the the, the other thing with this is that um, Spock figures out that the, this ship is making a noise. It's it's transmitting this signal, and that's the bit that again, like watching this as as a kid or or thereabouts, like. 
the moment when they figure out that this signal, and they're like, I think Uhura is like uh, putting it through some kind of modulator or whatever else to figure out. Yeah, yeah. physical buttons. That is her entire like job throughout the entire original series. She warning, warning. Processing. That's it. Captain, that's all she does. Processing. Yeah. <laughs> Tragically underutilized um, uh, Michelle Nichols. But there's, it's that point where they go and they're like messing around and the noise is changing and then they finally change the frequency or whatever it is, modulation they're using, and they get it on the whale song. And that, like, I, that, I have a distinct memory of going, oh my God, it's whales. Like, just. Just that whole like, I just I just love that. Um, no, not that Wales audience, the ones in the sea. Yeah, not the country which no one's heard of. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. well I, I was I was gonna I, I had the same reaction, Sam. You know, when you said, "Oh my god," I, was, I actually went, "Oh my god, it's Wales." <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's really? the other way to take it. That's, that's the other way to take it. Yeah. <laughs> more on the Ross side of like Wales. Oh, you guys. So no, so I'm sorry, the... Sam, but like, you know, you can you can pal up to Gene Roddenberry all you like, but. It's fine. I think they do a really good job with this MacGuffin, but when it's like it's whales and somehow a boy who's literally from another planet knows about humpback whales, you're like, could we not have had one of the other characters you grew up on the planet (laughs) these animals are from know about them? Because that's the point. Spock Spock knows. I mean, he can recite Hamlet, for Christ's sake, and that is one of my... That is... I just love that. Like, I think McCoy, is it McCoy says something? And he just says... It's Bones. It's Bones, yeah. Bones, yeah, he um, says... Bones says, um, angels and ministers of grace defenders. And he turns to him and goes, Ham- 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 Hamlet, act one, scene, whatever. Um, yeah, scene four. And it's like... he's Nerd! the back of the ship. Nerd! But it is... It is a, no, I think it works perfectly because you, you see, you see um, Spock and you see his ability to, like... He just obviously is very learned and, and knows all this stuff. But I, I, I'm going to defend the whales here because I think it. Number one, it's a great little, um, it's a great little like piece of like, uh, uh, like surprise. Like it's so oh, like whether or not you find it negative, it's something different. It's something really mm-hmm. different. And then actually, what they managed to do is thread that through the rest of the movie incredibly well. Like the whales are a core part of every single piece of this film and i think it's a great great device that anchors you from the future into the present day when whaling was a bit more of an issue in the mid 80s as well so i think it's i think it's a great piece of I writing to get it i mean there's some interesting choices we'll get into uh, my other bit of uh, trivia corner that i'm going to do before we move on to our time travel bit bit is uh, and ross you may as well go to sleep here um so we see the character is it savik uh the yes lieutenant on um on vulcan and they say goodbye and she fucks off um now savik was a character in the last movie and in the first one and apparently this was deleted thank christ uh there was going to be a plot where she stays behind on vulcan because she's pregnant with spock's baby which is like not actually like massively like oh my god it's until you consider the fact that in the last movie um, Ross, just try and follow me here because we're going to get a little crazy. Um, <laughs> Vulcans, Vulcans, unlike humans, have a like a mating season where they go mad for mating, literally mad, like literally like superhuman yeah. strength to fuck. Pond- and- an episode of the original series designed exactly for that. Where um, there's an episode of every thing. single series, Joe, yeah, the token there's an Vulcan of character, every season where just like sweats. Vulcans. 
just turn sweats into sweaty <laughs> sexual predators. Anyway, so that established called Ponfar in the last movie, Savic basically like um what's the word the trivia I read said? Like in order to treat Spock's Ponfar, <laughs> treat she fucks him. Oh That's why she's pregnant. It's one of those sixties covers <coughs> of like there's a thing that we invented in the law in the sixties. And then every single season of Star Trek and movies, they have to go, oh, fucking right. It's pon- every seven years, it's pon far, so we need to do something, you know, like clockwork. It's just, it's very. It's I love the look on Ross's face. Go on, Ross. We are not making any of this up. Go on, Ross. Like, I've got everything to add to this. <laughs> Can I? I'm just, just, just release a video, just like, no sound, just Ross's face for the entire thing. Oh, God. Yeah. Just, the reactions. <laughs> yeah. just a compilation of like Ponfar being explained to me. We can um, do that. Look. We can just, we can just focus on Ross and Tally. It's very exciting. <laughs> so anyway, so I just we're, want to it now before we move back into the past, because we are cutting I, this starting section off like a dead limb. Yeah, I need, well, I need to ask one question because this is where I turned off. But like, like Sam said, Oh my God, it's wheels. I'm like, Oh my God, it's wheels. I missed how this is pulled together. Like they are, <laughs> they're sending a probe to whales. Why? Because so the whales. So in in, in the mid eighties, you try and explain this like it it's, makes very sense, Sam. it's very simple. It's very simple. In the mid in the mid eighties, in the mid eighties, right? It, a bit earlier than actually, a bit in the seventies. Greenpeace had been on. We had Cold War drama. Yeah. In in the seventies, there was a, a real movement like to save the whales, Greenpeace and yep. all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. So yeah this yeah, film's yeah. kind of reacting to that in in the contemporary times of nineteen eighty six, when there was a threat against whales. And so this, basically this film saying the whales have been wiped out by human beings. Yes. Yeah, I got that far. Still, yeah. still so the probe, the probe, whales are aliens who have been planted here on Earth hundreds of thousands or millions of years ago. The whales are, the, the probe has been sent by wherever the whales come from because there's no whale song left. That's what they're doing. They're, they're going, we can't hear the whale song from the, from the whales in the ocean. So we're going to send this probe from the whale planet and where they have their whale parliament. Can I just <laughs> can I just make a point? Whale army. Sam whale. is pulling all of this out of his ass. The movie not. does not state any of this. All we know the movie the probe, does. Let's, up, let's let's let's. All we on. know is the probe is there to talk to the whales. Either the whales are a sentient species who have previously had contact with whoever this probe is from. Not once do we get the probe senate put forward. That's a Sam headcanon thing. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. The, the whale parliament thing is a maybe. Okay, let's put a pin in that. No well, whale space to... NASA. That's the, that <laughs> isn't a thing. I, I God, to, I wish somebody because... had just like jumped into like watching this about like a minute back. Whales oh, and parliaments <laughs> and probes. I wish we had any any listeners or watchers, Joe. To Thank be honest, go on, Ross. Go on. Go on. So, so I, I actually pulled that same theory that you had, Sam, because I, I thought I missed the explanation some somehow. Somewhere, I thought I missed it. And so, yeah, so the whales are gone, and they sent this probe. However, here's the problem I have with that. Because, you know, like you described earlier, Sam, the probe they send is vaporizing Earth's seawater. Surely, when they went there in the first place, they would know, like, if they're probing the area or they're dropping whales off, we better not do that because we'll vaporize the water. But somehow they forget that important fact. Hey, there's no whales. Send that thing that boils the thing they live in. 
It's, uh, <laughs> I, I, I can only presume, um, and we are we are 27 minutes of this, and we're, we're in the first, like, 25 well, minutes. Well, it's our fucking podcast. You know, <laughs> let's do it. Strap in for three hours. Um, they, I, I, I presume I presume what they're doing is they're, they're, they're looking for the whales by <laughs> vaporizing all the water to find them. <laughs> That's what I presume. But I, I fe- if there's no water. Anyway, anyway I, feel, I feel like... <laughs> I feel like me interpreting um, Star Trek uh, lore is is probably not good. No, Sam, you've had too many beers to be quite as coherent. About <laughs> Absolutely, them. but what I am coherent about, Dave, what I'm coherent about is this is oh. this is a good example of movie time travel. Now, I I like consistent time travel, like uh, 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 kind of systems, I guess. Well, you know, there's, there's just just being able to actually understand how the time travel works. Now. In this, we get like the usual thing in Star Trek, which is just go really, really fast, and then uh, yeah, we'll figure out. Like there, there isn't we any. Say, we should say somewhat, not plausible as such, but theoretical. Like if 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 we're ever to time travel, traveling at the speed of light is how we would do it. However, it only works going forwards and it's more like a time dilation yeah. thing which so, is a massive like, massive problem with most time travel exactly yes. exactly yeah but whatever no time s- travels to the 2800s for budgetary reasons in their no. movie and when they do, because if they did like they'd be going because they're going at a certain speed the the world behind them on earth is 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 stuck in the you know it isn't able to go that fast so it's very complicated but in this, we do see Spock like trying to. He does say, "I'm going to determine the calculations to figure it out." But it's it's. I think they go warp. You know, nine point nine, and we we get we do get some great acting from George Takei saying, "You know, warp eight, warp nine, warp nine point one, nine point two. I do love that moment. And then they slingshot around the sun, and then. <laughs> We're in Sam, we're in 1986. Sam's, Sam's in love with George Takei's Sesame Street audition tape. <laughs> it is. I'm confused. Nine. Your 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 setup there, Sam, does not like seem to match what the words you just said. Like, oh, I absolutely love a consistent time travel thing. Well, they go really fast, and then they go around the sun, and they go back in time. Yeah. And I'm like, but I think what you're missing, Dave. What you're missing, Dave, on is... what you're saying. Is this is Star Trek rules? This is what you're missing because oh. no, no, no. It, because it is a thing. Like we do, we do get, we do get Star Trek where they they basically warp drive is is complete nonsense. There isn't any real um, like reasoning behind how it works. I think I think basically like they they move space around the ships. I think is how they yeah. and there's magic crystals. The, there's magic crystals that power them. Let's be honest. Middle, middle, middle. The physics of how space travel works in this sci-fi show. But please. I I, I do agree. Have an aneurysm. I do, I do agree that this is this is. I, I enjoy it. Right. We talked about whales. <laughs> I do I do I do I do um I do enjoy it but I do agree it is total nonsense. And how how they're so accurately able to get to 1986, you know, like exactly. literally literally 2 days before these whales are moved from San Francisco. <laughs> you know, that seems like a margin that you'd struggle to achieve uh, <laughs> deliberately, but there we go. It timing, also seems though. strange because they get to the past. So we have a time travel scene and it's very like, oh, there's giant heads floating in the sky. It's fine. I'm not going to harp on about that. They get back in time and they ascertain that they're in the late 
20th century mm-hmm. because of the pollution in the atmosphere. Now, if they've got sensors that can read things like the pollution levels of the entire Earth's atmosphere, like, surely they can just scan for the whales? They can be mm. like, if this probe can scan for whale song, can we not scan for whale song? Like... And I get that it's just because we want feet on the ground and we've got like 10 days to film in San Francisco when we need to be on the streets in San Francisco, but still. Also, yeah. could they not just get a recording of Whale Song? Do they actually need the whales themselves? Shut up, Joe. Uh, Joe you, weren't paying attention. you weren't paying attention to the fucking film, Joe. Probably not. They said they can. They can give the noises, but it'll just be gibberish, Joe. Spock explained this clearly. <laughs> if you come out with that sort of shite again, Joe... I don't know. I thought I thought I thought Ross hadn't seen Star Trek before, and he's you're becoming a little bit too <laughs> he's, invested. He's in about this. to airlock Joe. I'll tell you. Closing <laughs> session, guys. All right. I came. I came prepared. Okay. I I did love again just from a point of like nerdy like. I've always wondered how s- the sensors work in Star Trek. You know, like how how <laughs> do they know? It's how very simple, they- Sam. I know exactly how they work. They are as good or as bad as the situation. As, as the situation calls for. Yep. Yeah. Yes. Well, I just, I did, either we'll scan it and it'll work, or oh no, we can't use scanners because scanners not working. Yeah, yeah I did. Exactly. I did like the way that they use the pollution in the atmosphere to determine the. I think again, it's a nice little like <laughs> stab at how shitty our time is. Yeah, yeah, the world's pretty fucked up, and we're gonna we're gonna point at that, which is in the grand tradition of Star Trek, the ability to to point back and say the way we're doing things isn't good. We need to, you know, we need to. Be better as as a as a as a human um, as as humanity. Like I think that's a nice Star Trek theme that they've got going on. Yeah. So we go back in time, and um, here's a scene I think Ross might have some thoughts on. We get like quite a nice like Terminatory scene when they land in the park uh, with the garbage men, and like the it really reminded me of that first Terminator film, and I was a bit upset that I didn't get to see like you know Arnie's naked ass. Really, um, yeah. it was a real shame because all you get is like. Fat middle-aged William Shatner. Everyone remember where we parked. And do you know what? I hate to admit it. I I quite like that line. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's very good. Well done. The humor in this is quite well timed, and and mm. the reason it's funny is because like every character who's making the jokes, they're not making they're not making a joke. We're finding it funny, but they're just like going about their business. Like my favorite, probably like joke in the film is when um, Kirk and Spock are going to go and look for the whales. Uh, and he tells the rest of them to, like, stand away from them. And, uh, you know, I'll just you all go in separate directions. And he turns around and they're all just like... <laughs> <laughs> Spread out. In the same four-foot space they were in before. It's kind of pointing out that these guys, the, all these people are giant nerds because they're in Starfleet. They're so like, out of space. All... They're so out of place. They, they, like, they have no idea yeah. what they're doing. Yeah, so... Um, I got a real Beverly Hills Cop oh, vibe when they're in San Francisco, um, which there's a bit of trivia, but I think we'll maybe save that till till the end of the episode. Um, but like, you get some real sort of like '80s new wave music going on as they're like, this is a this is a grubby San Francisco as well. This is a proper like downtown Detroit San Francisco. Mm. Um, there, there wasn't a lot of money or budget spent on the sort of the booking the nice places in San Francisco. You got a couple of shots of the Golden Gate Bridge. That's your lot. Move on yeah. now to the, the dump downtown. Well, they had about 10 days to shoot it, and, and a lot of it was on location, which is, um, I mean, you won't know, Ross, but quite out of the ordinary for a Star Trek film, yep. because mm-hmm. a lot of them, obviously, because they take place it's on in a set. space, it's on a set. Um, 
it's part of the reason that I think I think I enjoy this film quite as much as I do is because it feels a lot more real and grounded because like they're in an actual place with actual people. Yes. You feel more connected and kind of, you know, they're like, oh, look, they're, they're eating Italian. That's what we do. <laughs> <laughs> there, were, there were a couple of scenes where you know, it was, I think, Ahura and, is it Chekhov, the Russian dude? Chekhov. And they're, yeah. they're, they're looking good. for directions to the naval base. And, you know, yes. Chekhov's We're looking for accent. the nuclear vessels. Yeah, the West, Apparently, yeah, all of is... the police are on holiday this entire week. I'm sorry, <laughs> in 1986, with like real actual Cold War shit going on, yeah, this yeah. guy is in Guantanamo Bay before <laughs> the day is out. I'm looking for nuclear missiles. Just deadpan stare. Like, this cop did not give a shit. It was his last day before retirement, and he was done. He was could not give one iota of a shit. But what I was going to say was, when Ahura and Chekhov were like, approaching you know like members of the public it's sort of uh, you guys can tell me if i'm right or wrong this but it sort of felt like like these were people like they weren't extras they weren't actors they were like they were approaching real people and they were just i like, think mm, i don't know yeah I, I don't think they were like i think it said that they they were people who knew what was going on but it was from like a hidden camera point of view so i think they were just walking around mm. there they is were, one they were they were extras but they weren't like actors i should say they weren't given lines yeah, yeah. There is there is one funny story about I think the the one of the women who was who says oh it's over in uh, um, Almadina or whatever it is uh, Almadina or something like that. Yeah, yeah 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 so I think she I think she had been like drafted onto the, onto the thing and then actually got a parking ticket um, around it so she was like can I can I have a job like can I I'll say a line for you to pay for the parking ticket which she got oh, which is man. always which is a nice it's a funny story but. There are lots of moments of that, like them in um, San Francisco. It's like a great. It's like that. It's the type of thing that if you're not into Star Trek, you kind of don't. You kind of you easy don't need to, to be. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. But it's also it's easy to to miss like how just fun that is because you don't see them. The bit where they're handing out money, or yeah. he gets paid. I've got this watch or the whatever it is. Speckles. Spectacles. That's, that's a funny that time paradox whereby. Um, Bones buys those glasses for him from that same shop in the future. Yes. Yeah. So Kirk sells them in the past, and therefore yeah. the guy has them. So then Bones buys them two hundred years, like three hundred years later, from the same yeah. place. Let's yeah. let's have an entire section, on that, don't they? Because yeah. Spock, yeah. Spock says to him, "Didn't didn't Bones buy you those? Weren't they a gift?" And that's the beautiful thing, Spock. They will be again. Hold it, Ross. <laughs> Hold it, Ross. Let's have let's let's have a section at the end where we can. I'm just, where I'm, we just can, I'm just making some notes. We can wrap all up them all the time travel stuff because there's a lot. <laughs> but what I liked, what I liked is he goes and he says, "I'll give you a hundred dollars." Something is that a lot? And he's and, and then he's handing out hundred dollar bills because they don't use money. Like and there's all these. You know, don't spend it all at once, and they must have must have about twenty five dollars each, <laughs> which is a lot. You know, more money in nineteen eighty six than it is now, but still, it's not going to get you pay, that they don't far. Pay for anything apart from like they don't manage to get on the bus, so you never actually see any of these people spend any money. Yeah, yeah. So there's there's lots of like there's lots of moments of them in just doing normal things in in uh, nineteen eighty six San Francisco, which I think is is just really satisfying and funny. In the same way that in, say, Back to the Future, you know, him going to the, the dance or whatever else is just engaging and fun because you know as the audience what's actually happening and that kind of fish out. I would say, though, Sam, that, like, I think, contrary to what you said maybe a little bit, I think that maybe is the easiest bit. I mean, Ross, obviously, you're the guy we'll ask in a second, but 
I think that's the easiest bit to enjoy, even if you're not a Star Trek fan, mm-hmm. because like, you know, I mean, obviously I'll hand over to Ross now, but it's very, you know, it's very tropey of time travel. Yeah. Which part are we referring specifically to? So just, when they, when the they first get to San Francisco and they're kind of like they don't know how things work, you know, yeah, they're being idiots. Like, yeah. did that translate? Did you understand the, you know, what they were getting out there? Oh, absolutely no! I don't think you need to be a massive Star Trek fan to yeah, sort of appreciate. Yeah. I mean, it's that age-old thing. Like we've covered, I don't know how many times in the podcast, but that classic fish out of water thing. And you know, I will take a bit of objection comparing it to Back to the Future because say what you will about him, Doc Brown knew how to not fuck with the past, which we'll get into later. But I just think <laughs> there's a bit of a slap in the do face. Not give a fuck. I, I, I've got notes, Dave. All right, I've written down the number of transgressions that I they basically able to find. they basically justify it by saying that oh, but we're saving the world, so it's okay. I, I don't have time for it, Joe. We will address well, it. Yeah. Well, well, here's a question. Here's but... a question. We'll touch on it later, I'm sure. Why don't they go back in time and try and like stop the extinction of the whales? Like. We don't have time. Why is that not what it's, they're doing? Let's let's hold the time travel stuff. It's a good question. But let's hold. You're right, Sam. It's such yeah. a small part of the movie. Let's not talk about it. No, no. Uh, let's talk no, about it, it. But I think what it's coming up, Div. So we, we need to build up. We'll mentalize if, it. Yeah. There's a few more elements that we should talk about. And then can we talk line, about the suicidal woman who has nothing for, to live for? Please. Let's let's talk about let's talk about Julian, played by Catherine Hicks. Now, firstly, performance-wise, love this performance. She is she is like. She's going for it, and she's spunky, and she's full of fun. But it's as you as you suggest, Dave. Downing a bottle of paracetamol, or flinging herself in the ocean. She does like, not seem stable. She at the end of this stable. day, if she had not met Kirk, isn't somebody the- who is so willing to go to the future because she has so little in her life that these two whales are like the only thing she has to live for, so she has to yeah. go to the future. Is like. We do- I, I do. I do think she is a. She's a, she's a good character though. She's like, she's well written in 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 the bits that we sh- that the, the film shows us. I totally agree that there's a heck of a lot going on behind the scenes that we're never really shown. We have to kind of like interpret ourselves. But her being like really invested in in looking after these whales, the bit when she slaps the other guy who like who um, moved the whales on without telling her. Yeah. Without telling, like that's. I don't know. I, I, I kind think... of think that was coming, Sam. This woman is a is a marine biologist, you know, very, you know, a clever woman who knows what she's about. Is very passionate at what she's about, and she's giving fucking tours of this aquarium. Yeah, I think I think I she does like that because there's she's... not a lot of job satisfaction yeah. there, Sam. I feel like maybe yeah. they're like, oh, she's a woman, you know. It's 1986. I mean, it's what, still, what I will say is for it's, it's the 80s, right? Uh, considering like that, America has had a period of serial killers, Ted Bundy, the uh, the Zodiac killer, all that there, and she's like, "Hey, this two woman from this, yeah, hey, two random dudes I just met, and one of them was just swimming with wheels. Hop in, let's." Uh, <laughs> you know what? I, I, I see where the river takes us. My head canon is that this woman just needs something to make her feel alive. <laughs> but maybe, she, maybe she's she thinks, hoping that they do grab thinks, the tire iron. You know, just if take they it do grab a tire around and kill me, at least it'll all be over. And if they yeah, don't, exactly. oh boy, maybe well, I'll feel thing. alive. I mean, well, I see, drink myself thing, to sleep first, when I get home. The first thing I thought, though, and this is this is really bad on my part, and I do admit it up front, but when she said, "I've got a tire iron," I was like, "It's America; they have guns." So <laughs> I don't don't brag about a tire iron. Or phases. <laughs> they have phases. What? What? Set to what? Stun. 
again, headcanon, headcanon. I, I kind of read this as like her being, her sensing that there's something different about these two because they're from the future, because there's something about them that just, that she can't put her finger on and she's not sure why. And and that maybe she's kind of like, maybe maybe in this world we're going in, like the Star Trek has gone back Sorry, to sorry, sorry. She's not sure why, she, like what's, what's different about them. One of them literally just jumped into a tank with a whale and spent about five minutes with his hand on its head communicating with it. I'm yeah. pretty you know, sure she knows exactly what's different about them. But then, you know, in Lethal Weapon One, uh, when Riggs has that bullet in the gun and he like thinks about killing himself every single day, and then he goes to work and he jumps off the building with that guy. That's this woman. Like yeah. she is on the yeah. edge. I honestly, but, I can't unsee it. The way I thought of it, and I was I'm, like, oh, I'm glad that she's I'm glad making all these risky decisions. Too. I'm glad you said that, Dave, because I was thinking of like a softer way to propose that, and you just go straight in with bullet in the mouth. Cool, nice. <laughs> <laughs> she, she, but the thing is, though, she's right. Like she is right about these guys. Kill herself, Sam. That's that's extreme. Don't, no, don't, Sam. No, let's, no. She's no. right about the. She's right about Kirk and Spock being strange, and she, she, she's. She's got a finger, and now the, the, you can suggest this is bad writing or not. The character, as written, as we see in a film, does get the fact that these guys are a bit unusual. And then when um, Spock says they're pregnant, uh, one of them's pregnant, like she, she's like, okay, that's enough for me to be hooked. I do agree. The point beforehand when she's like, get in my car, I'll take you somewhere, is is like maybe you could have had. Maybe you could have had a line about the pregnancy beforehand so that she's kind of curious and invested. Maybe not after it. Do you hear yourself when you speak? Oh, well, oh, you know that whale's pregnant. Let's 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 solve this, you know, caper together. Like what's (laughs) Because because she's invested. I think that makes sense. That makes sense. Is you have you play more on the whale thing, you play more on the like freedom for whales and protection for whales thing, and you have this woman be some sort of Greenpeace protester. You don't say Greenpeace, obviously, but you have her outside the aquarium, like holding a sign. She's part of a picket line, like saying, Stop the captivity of whales. And then, like, then you buy all of this crazy behavior from her and how she's immediately in on this plan with these lunatics because she's already a fucking lunatic. Yeah, I like that. I like that. I think it makes much more sense. And you'd also get, you'd also get a, a, a better link to the obvious kind of like movie activism this this film is going for in terms of we need to prefer, uh, preserve natural you know wildlife and stuff. So yeah, I think uh, you know what I I don't have a problem with her. I think she works well. I think it's a really I think it's a really spirited performance that that keeps up with with the rest of the movie because the rest of the movie is pretty wild as well you know like we've got we've we are we are on the on the kirk level of zaniness throughout the rest of this film (laughs) we've got um scotty talking to a mouse you know with like this apple (laughs) to um product placement we've got nuclear vessels spival goes west uh, back to a pilot in this yeah We've got nuclear vessels all over the place, you know. We've there's 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 levels of zaniness in this film that I think are completely up there with her being a bit unhinged, um, and also really happy to just give up her the life. The the plot lends itself to the believability of it. I think I yes. think if it was taken more seriously, you would maybe. Be, we were asking all, the, all these questions, obviously, but genuinely, I don't have a big problem with this character. Um, I just think don't think about it. But the fact that it is quite light in tone means that you don't really you don't really think <clears> about <throat> all of this because mm-hmm. it's a caper. Um, Ross, you said when we were talking about it last night that that it was a bit like a time heist 
you know, and it yeah. does have that 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 feel to it. It's a bit more like chilled out than a we must save the world. And we here at the Imaginary Podcast love a time heist. You know, oh, we love fun. a heist. Full stop. Oh, time. Yeah. Let's do heat. Let's do heat. <laughs> Let's do heat. I just, wanna, just, I just want to. I just want to jump in here. We've had a comment here from Corey Hart, asking, "Are we circling back to the whale Parliament soon?" Well, Corey, <laughs> we weren't. We weren't planning on it. So what but, I was thinking, you know, I was thinking some kind of like um, uh, single vote let, system, where it, all the whales. Oh, are we talking like? I, a, think, you know? I think it is a republic. I think it is a republic. I think what we do is we have, we have a single. Thing, Sam, is, is this Parliament on land, and they're all in like? Half tanks reclining. No, or is no, it's it under like the sea, like some kind of Atlantis thing. It's like What's Little Mermaid. Mind? It's like Little Mermaid, and obviously Are they driving the... like their own like water tank around. I think I think the whales are at war with 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 some kind of land animal. Maybe an elephant. You know, maybe you've got that kind of nice big hulking Titanic thing going on <laughs> between the two. I love Ross's mouth being. What am I hearing? And what? then and then. <laughs> And then I think I think you've got some kind of sing- maybe you can have first past the post, but I think it's kind of single vote, single transferable vote system, so that we get what a lot of, of rotten boroughs in the in the. Uh, can, I, know, can, I, can I just ask how elephants in Wales like go to war? Because like you know, <laughs> <laughs> elephants in the sea doesn't really go. It's mostly in the shallows though, and and to be honest, it's quite it's quite ineffective. <laughs> Joe, it's why the stalemate developed? Joe, it's a Joe, bit like the Welsh warfare. The, the the elephants have boats and the whales have tanks. I mean, I don't know what's to really explain about that. To be honest, it seems pretty logical. So, to me. Um, in in conclusion, Corey, I hope we've answered your question. <laughs> yes, there we go. <laughs> Thanks, Corey. Thanks for that, pal. Yeah, um, but the like, I I feel like I feel like here we go. I feel like we're coming to the uh, the grand piece of this podcast, which is all the crazy shit that happens because time travel rules are really weird. That's what I'd like to talk about. Ross, I feel like I, I can see you like uh, uh, writing notes with I've a passion. I just remembered that's... another piece of time, you know, the time travel rule break. I'm just writing I'm gonna, it down. I'm going to kick us off with a with just a little bit of light dabbling in changing the time space continuum, just a wee, and for a very good reason. McCoy in the hospital where Chekhov is getting um, getting worked on. The, the 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 there's this woman there's this there's this old lovely old woman who's who's sat there looking very <laughs> sore and miserable. Hey, and you upset. don't know this woman isn't a child abuser or a murderer. <laughs> Maybe like, she is. Let's Ooh. not let's let's not let's not jump to conclusions. This well, woman could be literal Hitler. Let's 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 think about it then, because she McCoy sees her and says, "What's up with you?" And and she says, oh, "My kidneys are shot. I'm having dialysis." And he's dialysis. This is a, this is an outrage. It's terrible. It's total BS. And so she what gives, is this, the Dark Ages? Yeah. She gives him to be this, fair, dialysis is pretty fucking savage. It's horrible, yeah. She gives him this pill, and then middle, 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 as we're leaving the hospital, she's like, the doctor gave me a pill, and I grew a new kidney. This is, <laughs> you know what this my is, headcanon is? It was just like acid. She's tripping balls. She's like, yes. I grew a new kidney. But it Dave, is a for great Dave, Dave, for Sam's benefit, why don't you explain headcanon? Um, so headcanon, sorry, it's good that you bring these things up, Ross, because we do slip into using our own sort of vocabulary here. Uh, headcanon yeah. is a term that we use for from the word canon, which refers to the like the official law in a property. So um, Star Wars is the one that I use it for most. Uh, it's when so canon is like the you know like Luke Skywalker's a Jedi. That's canon, Legit. you know. Yeah, exactly. Headcanon is when like. The movie doesn't bother explaining something, so you like you justify it in your own head. 
So it's a bit like, do you know what I mean? So if something happens in a movie and it's not explained and you're like, well, how did he get that? It's 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 when you kind of like you make that connection yourself. Yeah. Like, you know, well, maybe yeah. he did this or whatever. So my head canon is this woman's high as fuck. It's a vast, vast you, movie. I'm very clear. Thanks, Ross, for Good. clarifying. I, I love this. Okay. I love this. Um, I love Ross. You don't need to be embarrassed, Sam. Okay, here. listen, we've all got <laughs> gaps in our knowledge. Okay, I, I appreciate <laughs> it. But I just, I, I do love this because it is is a great example of like, okay, so what if what if that woman was meant to die and donate all of her kidneys and oh, <laughs> kidneys her, didn't her, work, Sam, her organs to to someone else, and then that person died as well. But he he was going to be the president of of the earth which means that that's not going to happen now which means another person's going to take over who's going to cause a nuclear war You're destroy right, everything you should have put a bullet in this woman's head the minute she talked to him <laughs> just, just to be sure just to be sure straight <laughs> to the face but this so that again that's the lightest example i think of like fucking should we jump the to the past. biggest one should we jump to the biggest on, one Rob, which is obvious which that's is obviously the lightest yeah, I think we can, I think we can all agree on the biggest one where they give away a secret to like the super strength type um, aluminium. Um, yeah, just yeah. whoa, That's whoa, probably... whoa, whoa! I don't agree with that. Okay, well, first though, first one. Joe, tell us about it. Tell us about it. Um, yeah, so basically, they agree to trade away this um, secret to super strength uh, aluminium um, for question mark. Um, <laughs> Um, transparent just, you know, alu- aluminum, isn't it? I think transparent. By the aluminum. way, yes. uh, a Scotsman saying aluminum bothers me. Even though I know he's a fake Scotsman, he's not aluminium. Scottish, aluminium. 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 Yeah. Aluminium. Yeah. Aluminium. Yes, yeah. it's aluminium. Anyway, um, go on. Yes. Yeah. So they they give away the secret to this for question mark reasons, which you know, and the justification for the entire thing is um, Bones does say to him, "Why are you doing this? They're not supposed to have this technology." And um, Bones' response is, "How do you know he didn't uh, invent it?" <laughs> In, in, in 1986. Because in 1986, they hadn't invented it yet. Perhaps. <laughs> I mean, like, what well, that was explained about it because the guy did say, oh, this will take, you know, years to, de- to develop. So, you know, that's okay. That's the least of my concerns, Sam. Because the thing is, <laughs> Scott is saying, well, how do you know he didn't invent it? Uh, you guys have fucking records and fucking archives <laughs> on your ship. Maybe we want to check that before you go rewriting history. What are you stuff, you know, Spock? He recognized whale song. Like, just yeah. because. He can, he like, can, so, Ross, he can recite Hamlet. This thing. Ross, what is your problem with this then? What's my problem? <laughs> I feel like you're baiting me here, Sam. It's the genuine casual. It's the casual, like it's fine. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's the blatant, like eh. So what? So what? So they get. Guy. I think. <laughs> so I think. So they get on, aluminium. Who who cares? So they get aluminium. I mean, so what so the fun thing could have been. There could have been a really fun thing where it could have been another time paradox where this is actually the guy who invents it. You know what I mean? Like in the original timeline. So then you're thinking, <laughs> oh, is this is this how he comes across mm-hmm. it? You know? And then you have that. Yeah. Th- that would have been a fun paradox. But, <laughs> but I, guess, like, I guess the reason they don't do that is. I don't know if they're trying to make it more relatable because then we'd know that you know they didn't invent C three wattage aluminium. Well, they um, they sort of like they touch on it a bit and and in the trivia and a bit more that basically they he, he gives him the formula for it. So he tells him like how the um, how transparent aluminium is is made up, but he doesn't tell him how to make it. Yeah, it's like the the, so like, the atomic yeah. 
it's all i think it's like a deleted scene or whatever but like the idea being that this guy isn't going to go and like start making this stuff tomorrow this guy's going to probably spend like a couple of decades figuring out how to make it so like again like a bit of headcanon and a bit like so maybe scotty's being flippant because he's a cunt but like um he's he he knows it's not invented for you know it doesn't become used for 25 years from now but he thinks, well, this guy might figure it out in 25 years, but he might not, in which case it's fine. Yeah. Um, any other time travel? My biggest I, must, one. I must say the biggest yeah, one. I've got the a few one, I thought the biggest one. Probably. Easy, guys. One well, at a time. Uh, one at time. me, Joe. Dave, uh, my Joe, Ross. One, when you said when you said about the Scotty thing, the biggest problem I have is, like, cut this first half hour up in this film, obviously, but, like, use that time. Go and get Chekhov's phaser back. And his communicator, <laughs> when he's running away from these like military guys, he just throws it at them. Like, and they don't think, oh, we'd better go and get that piece of like that- technology from 300 years in the future that's going to turn the US into the Nazis because they've got future <laughs> technology to invade ray guns and all sorts of stuff. Yeah, but he managed to run through that completely unguarded door. Like, you know, with, 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 it, with a, a, a comedic timing, you know, only. Only match. <laughs> this is a real like sports almanac thing in this movie that they do not care about. Yeah. Like they want to go and get Chekhov, but they should get Chekhov and he go, Captain, I don't have my communicator. And Kurt goes, Shit, we really can't leave that here because that's a big, you know, forget what Scotty's done. Like, oh, somebody might figure yeah. something out or he might die of a heart attack because he's four just hang a on it and, and just say, eh, it's fine. They'll, you know, like we'll we'll swing back round. Either way, but it could be like a fun, like they need to infiltrate this base again. Like that could be like a fun, like mini heist within this heist, because yeah. ultimately the challenge of getting the, the whales isn't particularly. You know what I mean? There's not a lot of tension there mm-hmm. that they could mm-hmm. be. So let's have Reckless. like in this third act, eh? Reckless, just it, it is reckless. Doc Brown. He would not be okay with any of this, you know. I'm, di- I'm disgusted. <laughs> yeah. So the biggest thing for me, though, in terms of time travel, is the fact that they, well, not so much time travel, more like the ecological impact of taking two whales from the twentieth twentieth century and just dropping them in the ocean. That, that, that actually <laughs> in, is the biggest one when I think on it. Is that and also taking the woman with them. Well, let's come back. To, let's come back to Julian. Let's come back to Julian because I think just we'll come back to me when we come back to Julian. I have a, a hot take yep. on that. It's it's <laughs> the fact that they they've taken these whales. They've got to just chuck them in the sea so they can communicate back to this. Two period. centuries after they're extinct, so you don't like you said, Sam. You don't know what the environment is like for them or whether it can sustain them. Yep. Also, even though one of them's pregnant, they're going to die out again. This this probe is coming back in another century. Yeah. So, so the, but these, the, you know, these are things. And I don't want to get into a pedant cast. I think we're deep into that already, to be honest. But I think let's not get too much deeper into pedant cast. But I, I do think, I do think there are like, so what's the solution here to um, this probe is destroying everything? It's like, can we destroy the probe? Like, there's maybe a point before I we time tra- before, before we go two seconds though, before we go to time travel before we go to, <laughs> you know, like going back to the future uh, back to the past and fucking everything up in ways that we can't even imagine you know we we stopped the guy from getting run over that guy turns into hitler there's all these things that could happen and they just the film is not interested in in any of that you know um i think that some of it sam is like 
The way I think about it, I don't see the whale's ecological impact being massive because enlightened, technologically advanced society, they can probably figure it out. In terms of whales surviving, again, enlightened, futuristic society with transport technology, they can clone these whales like that. You know, yeah. they don't need, again, so I'm not so worried about that. And then it'll be like a, you know, the 450th Amendment to the World Constitution. We can't kill all the whales because that probe will come back and fuck us up again, like becomes a thing, you know? Um, so I don't see that being an issue. In terms of the past, these whales were about to be killed by Finnish whalers. So taking them away doesn't actually change much apart from these whalers don't kill these whales. That or Soviet radiation. Yep. <laughs> that or Soviet radiation. Um, and Gillian. Uh, she's putting her head in the oven in the original timeline because these whales have gone a day early. So again, her going to the future, not really changing the timeline at all. If these guys operated like, um, yeah. you know, like a team, if they operated like the Avengers do in that last Marvel well, movie, well, like, you know, efficiently and don't fuck things up, then suddenly, like, oh, this is a really clean, like, oh, we haven't fucked with the timeline thing. Well, let's talk about Gillian then because she's the one who, who is... Again, I, I like I like the character. It all works well, and then she just blindly goes to the future. Like she has nothing, Sam. She has nothing. But, the, to but there isn't that moment. There isn't that moment in um, in in time travel movies where they have that freak out where they're like, you know, there's there's, a, there's talking robots and there's there's this thing, the suicide booths and all these other things, which which were kind of like. Well, you know, she which, doesn't have that moment at all. From this episode, we think that she would frequent, <laughs> given Dave's <laughs> yeah. description of her. And she wouldn't be a, that would be a one and done kind of thing. That wouldn't be <laughs> yeah. a like, ooh, but maybe, there's you none know, of that. she's doing it right. There's none of that. And and she's quite happy just to be in the future. Now, it's fine, but I do feel I do feel like we could have had just a little bit more, as you say, Dave, a little bit more backstory to say that she's not really bothered by staying in the past. And also that... Um, She's... Well, why, why would she, Sam? This feeling, this this TV, sh- this movie has shown that there's no repercussions for fucking with the timeline. There's no comeuppance whatsoever. If she gets bored of the future, she can just go back to the eighties. Sling herself around the sun a couple of times. She's there. What Sorry, I Sam, I, I interrupted you. Go ahead. No, that, I know. I think that's that's exactly right, Ross. I think it is a point of yeah. There isn't really much, but. Um, it it kind of goes to the general point in the movie of, of just not really being that interested in that type of question. You know, we're we're here to mm. for the whales. We're here for Kirk and Spock doing their thing, um, and that's kind of enough, isn't it? Really, you know? Yeah. yeah. Again, like it's quite light and and silly. And it if you think about it, you're like that doesn't make sense and that doesn't make sense. But if you don't. This is a totally fun watch that kind of makes, you know, some sense. So going the, to the future makes sense if you don't think about why she's doing it or why they're letting her do it or, uh-huh. you know, the, I'll, I'll, the implications let, on the space-time continuum. Yeah, I'll let, you, I'll let you all come in on this, but I just want to set up as the kind of maybe the final part of our plot discussion. The the, the thing at the end where he's, he's demoted from Admiral to Captain and everyone's delighted. Freeze frame. <laughs> <laughs> like, it really is. So, come on, any thoughts on that? Any thoughts? I mean, Kirk's the happiest of them all. Kirk is happier than all of them. Needs to be executed for his crimes. Like, Ross, you've only watched this movie, but, like, (laughs) he's doing this shit. He's destabilizing governments. He is, like, committing genocide. He is going back in time and getting his dick wet every week. 
can I? Apart from I, that one I, episode, I, I wanna, can I no, just point hang, out? Hang on, Joe. I want to jump in here because I've been sitting on this for a while now. I am utterly disgusted with the with the Federation's level of discipline. Uh, uh, holding Kirk to account, who Dave, you stole my line. Who went back in time and basically because he had to get his dick wet, she, he brought a, a, a human from the past to the to the future. I've counted no less, and call a pet and cast if you want, Sam. I've counted no less than six acts of you know, you know tampering with with the time space continuum, um, and it, it's literally. They went back in the past, they had a time heist, they had their cake and they fucked it. That's basically what this is. <laughs> and, and now they come to the present and it's like, uh, Kirk, we need to address some things. First of all, also, naughty. he was already no, on trial. Dave, I'm not done, goddammit. No, Dave, Dave, quiet, let Ross finish. First of all, it's like, Kirk, naughty boy, right? Now you're only a captain, you rascal. First of all, send him to the Klingons, whatever he's done, whether he's guilty or not. <laughs> Whether he's guilty or not, send him to the Klingons because by the sense from all he's done so far, you know, it's two birds, one stone. Get rid of Kirk. And now the Klingons are appeased. Great. I only know the Klingons are pissed off because that's the first five minutes of the movie. Second of all, all his crew needs to be at, at the very minimum dishonorable discharge. Six separate counts of fucking with the past. God knows what they've done. And it's all like, oh, well, you saved us. Get out of here, you rascal. <laughs> I am disgusted. The Federation needs to be disbanded. I, you know what? At, at the start of the movie, at the start of the movie, I was like, these Klingons, they're a bit harsh, aren't they? But I'm like, you know what? I'm on the I mean, Klingon side. I'm on the Klingon the Federation. Side. What? Jesus. So, a couple, de- couple de- of things. The Federation. Go on, defund the Federation. A couple, um, couple of things on Kirk. So, he is like every single episode of the original series, he pretty much breaks the Prime Directive at least once, apart from one episode, I think in season two or three, um, where he goes onto a planet um, and there is another captain who is breaking the Prime Directive. This time, he's done it to, uh, he's basically given weapons, I think, to a colonization. They're going to be wiped out by this evil other colonization who are super powerful and they're going to wipe them out. So he gives them futuristic weapons to help them defend themselves. And he calls in America. loses his shit. He wants to airlock this guy for doing what he does on a weekly basis. <laughs> he, he goes absolutely mental, gives him tons of rants about how, you know, they're there to protect the prime directive and protect other planet, other civilizations. We may not like the fact that it doesn't, you know, sometimes it leads to them being killed, but we can't get involved and stuff. And it's like, you, you do that every 30 minutes or so. I don't understand the problem. <laughs> so the, here, here's where I struggle. I don't get this level of sort of you know this foaming fandom for Kirk, and you know because you hear like through osmosis, like you said at the start of the episode, Dave. I have some knowledge of the Star Trek universe, and there's you know there's these things of you know uh, Picard versus Kirk, who's better, and the level of love and adoration Kirk gets, I don't get it. He's a piece of shit, in my opinion. That this guy has gotten to a level of authority and he fucking flouts it, and that <laughs> and, like, and I'm getting way too invested in it because I'm pissed <laughs> yeah. off now. Easy, I don't like him. Yeah. Kirk is your, Kirk is your typical, like the fans love Kirk for ma- ma- the, many of the same reasons that like he always gets away with shit in within the series. Like he is a big swinging dick. He is like America personified. He's gonna go in. He's gonna hammer punch some aliens. He's gonna get the girl and he's gonna save the day. And like, and that's kind of his character. Where and he, there are moments of introspection and, th- and there are some times when they address that. But like, and the movies especially, they don't have time for it. So Kirk is the hero of the hour, 
Like he is the, you know, um, I don't. There's no it, real world example of what Kirk is in the Federation. It's also, but like he is the chosen one. He is like, oh, we fucking the original. Kirk. That's what it is. It's, it's also because he's the first. He's the original captain. You know, he's the first Star Trek. There is something magnetic about Shatner's performance as Kirk. I think as well. Like, <laughs> there's is. just, you know. But I agree with you, Ross. Like, this guy should be out uh-huh. of this. Like, paramil- this military organization should be like, yeah, we're we're a military organization, Kirk. So we're kind of about orders and following orders yeah. and chains of command but and if- not unilaterally committing. Um, attacks on other, like you know, empires. And, can, can I you know, just say bodies. my second second point that I was going to make was as well, and this is Go about on, the Federation. Sure. Ross's point on the Federation. So in DS Nine, they're at war with the Dominion, um, which is like this evil, another evil power. Um, and to try and win the war and turn it against uh, the Dominion, they literally introduce um, some sort of um, infection into. Uh, the Dominion shape-shifting race to literally wipe them all out, <laughs> so they're, they're okay for literal genocide. What what, it, what what all this represents, though, is that like we have these ideals, and that and that Star Trek, less so in the original series, but certainly as it progresses, and we get to something like Voyager, where they're just doing whatever they want because they're trying to survive. Like it's it's about the principles versus the reality, isn't it? And I think this is a good early example of where they. are Kind of not really thinking about that, but as the series progresses, I think they do understand that they need to acknowledge the fact that most of the time these characters don't really live up to the the values of Starfleet because there's shit to be done, or because there's a, maybe a more legitimate reason. And that's kind of it's it kind of becomes like this is the human reality of of what's happening. Whereas at this point, Ross, you you're totally right. They're just not thinking about that. They don't well, care. Kirk is it's Kirk fine. is a twenty fourth century man solving problems in a very 21st century way which is why viewers love it and it's kind of like but it is like you said ross it's very odds of like in the in the universe how does this guy have a job like how did this guy get to this level of like of this organization without being drummed out for insubordination i said this to you guys before but i would just love to be on that sort of like that disciplinary committee when everyone's like shall we shall we demote him to captain uh what uh, how about we fucking actually punish this dickhead? Is it, did you hear the charges? Uh, suspended, minimum. Investigation, happening. Then sacked. I don't give a shit. D- demotion. Are you kidding me? Give him a fucking vacation. Sorry, <laughs> that's my bit. Is that he wants to be demoted to captain. That's like, And they know that. Demote him to a fucking toilet cleaner then. It's these it, it, futuristic trade unions, Ross. They're just getting in the way, you know? Yeah, gotta... Everyone's cheering his demotion as well. Like, but, yeah, we know what's happening. <laughs> we have argued about Kirk <laughs> for a long time now. So, have do you think we've covered the plot here? Um, I think I think we have. And I think I think what I, like as a as a point of I think we have we have kind of like nitpicked this a little bit. But as much as despite all of this for me, this is, as you said, Joe, this is the best. Not, It's, my, it's not the best. It's my favourite. It's my favourite Star yeah. Trek, original series Star Trek movie, because I think it is, it's so much fun. And if you kind of like ignore all of this and just wrap it up in your, either your own personal headcanon or um, whatever else. But the question I have, especially for you, Ross, is like, does this make you want to watch more Star Trek? Does this, does this intrigue you into the universe that they're presenting? Because... This is like this is like one percent. There is so much to, to bury into that. If, 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 
if the answer is yes, Ross, do not watch original series. Don't oh, don't start so, there. So go on, Are you curious? Are you Star Trek curious? I, okay, so I mean, there's two questions you asked me. I'm curious, and do I want to watch more? Curious, yes, because I love get when a universe has such detail. I like learning all about that and the intricacies. I love it. You know, in inconsistencies aside, because you know, Sam, that that winds me up. Um, but I, if if this one, if this was something that came out, say, relatively recently, like in the, you know, in the, in the late noughties or something like that, I could see myself, you know, going back and watching it to get into it, you know. But because it's been, you've had this series and then you've had the sort of the movie series Emma Picard, and now you have the recent movie series. I don't think it's something that I would get. It, it's piqued my interest, and like, if you guys recommend, oh, this is another good one, I'd probably watch that. Um, I'll take that. That's a win. I think we can get mm. Ross round to. Final Frontier. Final Frontier, yeah. Cosplaying. I will say, <laughs> as, as Picard. I will say, we should pre- maybe think about doing First Contact at some point because that's kind of this movie, but for the next generation. So for the. the and the I love Picard those TNG movies, era as stuff. bad as they um, are. Yeah, but like, I, you're totally right, Ross. I mean, at this point, the original series is like 50 years old. Like, it's mm. a very big ask. Unless you're Joe, who had nothing to do for, you know, a year. Um, like, it's a really big ass to like watch it. Even me, who has read two books about the economics of this made-up world, like <laughs> even I sometimes struggle with the original series. I and mean, think, what for, am I doing with my for time? a cultural sort of phenomenon that has created its own language, you know, uh, like that that alone, you know, the literally, level of dedication literally. and I, well, that's why I said it. I, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't say figurative, um, and you know the level of sort of you know commitment and ad- adoration that something like that garners. Then yeah, there, it, there's no denying there's something there. Yeah. However, I feel like I may have missed the bus somewhat on it. And and this movie is like this movie really represents, I think, the cultural impact of Star Trek because because as much as mm-hmm. it's about like the the nerdy science stories, as much as it's about trans and replicators and all, all this stuff like star trek when it's good is about those like big moral questions and how do we resolve this problem and 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 looking putting a lens back on humanity and saying this isn't right i and i think as 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 fun as this movie is it also is trying to tell something and i think some of the other films maybe Maybe lean a little bit too much on that, and this movie is yeah. like the perfect balance I mean, for me of of just the, engaging, fun. It is a good fun movie. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It requires it requires on you accepting a lot and just kind of going, yeah, you know what? Some of the premise is stupid, and in you know this this the the kind of the the problems with it are kind of obvious, but. Like you say, there are plenty of other the other Star Trek films that kind of go into similar sort of a thing. So Final Frontier, which is probably one of the worst movies I've watched, period. Um, not just the worst Star Trek movie. It it's is so um, bad. It's so, it's so dreadful. Bad. Um, but that's that's um, the kind of version of looking, does God exist? Uh, yeah. And in the end, it turns out, no. Or oh, not in Star Trek world, anyway. Um, You've also seen some really interesting, interesting stuff there. And... Um... I think this is the best execution of a Star Trek plot f- like they would do in the TV series but on film because I think that today the maybe the line is a bit blurrier but in the 80s and you know going back to the 60s when this was made in the 80s the line between cinema and television was very very distinct yeah. and I think it must you know only Star Trek in its fourth movie could get away with making essentially like a 
an, a t- an extended episode of TV yeah. and then releasing it theatrically. And I think the execution of it is really, really good. And I think that's why it's fun to watch. There are problems, mm-hmm. obviously, but like this is a this is a fun, you know, relatively grown up movie where you know nothing is resolved by shooting people, nobody gets killed, like no antagonist. And, and there's no antagonist, and it's satisfying. And I think that's a real achievement for a film. I think that Star Trek mm-hmm. used to do this every week in a TV show, but mm-hmm. in a film, really the expectations point. are different and. Do, do you know what I mean? You kind of yeah. like you expect a thrilling conclusion in a movie that maybe it's it's, it's well made. Here. It's well made movie making, isn't it? I think we can we can always appreciate that. And like we said, this yeah. is this is the most fun Star Trek movie, and like there's maybe I think Wrath of Khan's the best Star Trek movie, yeah. uh, period. And this is like you know this is this is second, and it's certainly the, the more fun of the two. Cool. They just go for it. And you've got I to, might be able check, to I might check out Wrath of Khan then. So there's oh, no, 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 really Ross. good you need, Ross. You need to watch even just order. the even just <laughs> just from um, pass. <laughs> don't <laughs> don't you, you can't just jump in because you're not going to understand. But also don't whoa, watch the first whoa, whoa. one hang, hang, that's hang really about, shit. Hang hang about you can't just jump in. But Ross, watch Star Trek Four. <laughs> <laughs> but let, but let's not forget. Let's not forget, listener, why we're here. Why we are watching this this film is because Ross made us watch. The four-hour director's yeah. cut of Justice yeah. League. So this was on Retribution. However, because he kind of enjoyed it, I'm not sure that counts. I think we need no, to no, find well, something. That's, that's on you. That's on you, Sam. You can't. I, I think no, no, no. I think we need that's to. That's on you. We need to what plunge we should new remember. Depth. What we should remember is the fact that the last movie I made us watch was Encino Man, and and oh. I have carte blanche to choose a movie in reparations for Justice League. Well, just... You better better strap in, guys. A couple of things to bring up. Number one, that wasn't a deal. Me and Sam struck a deal. You weren't part of that. (laughs) I was. Number two... (laughs) Joe, refer to the messages. Don't sell this with side deals, Dave. I'm pretty sure sure Ross said you weren't, Dave, to be honest. I'm pretty sure Ross said I was. Anyway, Uh, number two... Go on, Joe. Go on, Ross. Last point. uh, I was no, no. I was just going to say that I think it's indicative when the movie started the other night and Amy was watching with me. And she's like, "Is this because uh, is, did Sam pick this?" I went, "Yeah." She goes, "God, he must have really hated Justice League." <laughs> <laughs> and that is why we podcast because we hate movies well, and I, we I want to. Yeah. Uh, like Joe gonna say, I want to bring up two final points and then you, you know, that's my final thoughts. Um, one, just on the whaling content, um. God, that was graphic, and they didn't hold back on that. Um, and that's not a, that's not a complaint, but I think it's it's to be commended really because I think somebody, if you guys touched on it earlier, where it is it it's a it's a real genuine message, you know, about you know whaling and the atrocities that that causes. Um, but gosh, even like you know that's that informational video in the museum. Whew, you do see some stuff there, and it's yeah. you you would never get that in a modern movie now. Even if they're no. trying to convey the same message, you would not see that. Um, and again, that's that's a, I'm commending that, I'm not criticizing it. Um, the second thing is at the start of this episode, I said Sam to you that I have a bone to pick with you, and I also think you know I need I need to give you credit where credit's due, um, because I was making notes you know throughout the thing, and I was like Sam is overlooking or like you know giving carte blanche excuses to a lot of like the inconsistencies inconsistencies here, 
And I was like, you know, but I was like, oh, well, you know, it's because he watched it when he was young. He has that sort of nostalgia. And I have to say, like, I, I get that because, you know, we, we've done movies where we watched Blade or, um, you know, Demolition Man. And, like, you guys point out, like, glaring sort of like, well, that's just action movies, guys. You can't, you can't, <laughs> you, can't you know, take that for what it's worth. That's the rules. But, yeah. 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 Accept it. Move on. So that's what I'm saying. Um, yeah, uh, so fair, you know, credit where credit's due. So you, you so you're it. saying I'm, you're saying I'm right and I'm correct. And no. I'm oh, let, let me be clear, Sam, you are. A so piece of thanks, shit. guys. <laughs> That's the end of the episode. This has been really fun. I've really, you know what? I could talk about Star Trek for the rest of time. There we go. So what? if you're if if you if you're listening to us, if you want on to stick the, around on the podcast then you know what? we have more content to share. That it's free. We're not even putting it by uh, Patreon, which doesn't exist. Um, we can you can search us on Imaginary Podcast on YouTube now, which is amazing, and you get to see our faces while you listen, which is I think less amazing. Sons of guns. All right, well we'll see you next week. Cheers, guys. <laughs> <laughs>